0: Welcome to the Little Red Podcast, which brings you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway. I'm Graham Smith from the ANU's Department of Pacific Affairs, and I'm joined by my co-host, Louisa Lim, former China correspondent for the BBC and NPR, now with the Centre for Advancing Journalism at Melbourne University. We're on air thanks to support from the Australian Centre on China in the World.
1: It's now two weeks since Beijing announced it will impose national security legislation on Hong Kong. This will be enacted through an annex of the Basic Law, entirely bypassing Hong Kong's own legislature. China argues the laws are necessary to deal with subversion, secession, foreign interference, and terrorism, following months of protests which have sometimes been violent. But the net result could be to criminalize all kinds of activities, threatening freedoms of speech, assembly, and education, among others. We're joined to discuss this by someone at the very forefront of public debate in Hong Kong, Jimmy Lai Chi Ying, the founder and majority owner of one of Hong Kong's largest newspapers, Apple Daily.
0: Jimmy, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, We should note here that uh, Jimmy Lai was one of 15 pro democracy figures arrested in April on suspicion of taking part in unauthorised rallies. He's also facing other unrelated charges of illegal assembly and intimidation. We won't be discussing any of these during the show for legal reasons. Jimmy, let's start with the um, significance of this movement in time. This year, for the first time since 1989, the June 4th Vigil to Remember Those Who Died in the Violence in Tiananmen 31 years ago, um, for the very first time, this has been banned. I mean, how serious a blow is this to Hong Kong?
2: Well, I think it's a death knell to Hong Kong, an uh, uh, international financial centre, because we thought the rule of law, there will not be a a financial center in Hong Kong, because there's no law to protect the people who do business here. And without the protection of the law, people will have to bribe the officials who have power over them to protect them. That means that Hong Kong will be the same as China, prayed up with corruption. And also, in the financial business, Mutual trust is very important. Without the rule of law, there won't be any mutual trust. So for financial transaction, which takes place in seconds, billions of bit of dollars is not possible. And also a media like us, anything we write, anything we say could be a crime. So this is a very serious.
0: Hmm. I mean, thinking of yourself personally, how how are you planning to spend your June the fourth?
2: Well, I'm I'm going to go uh, as the same to go to the, the Victoria Park.
0: Okay, and where you could well be arrested, of
2: course. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know again. <laughs> but uh, while we come back, we come back down. Of course.
1: When it comes to that legislation, you've said that Hong Kong was China's last miracle and the imposition of the legislation marks the end of the miracle, the killing of the proverbial golden goose. I mean, why do you think Beijing is so willing to sacrifice this golden goose?
2: I just don't know. I think, you know, if they want to impose the national security law, they should know that it would destroy Hong Kong as it is, because after the announcement in the Google search or the social media, the most topic people are searching or talk about is immigration. So a lot of people are preparing to leave Hong Kong. Even those who are pro-China are advocating the national security law are secretly moving the money and selling their assets to move the money to overseas. So you can see that a lot of people are, you know, are trying to move their money, selling their property and move away. Especially those Chinese from China who bought property in Hong Kong for the sake of Hong Kong's rule of law, the safety and the freedom. Now they see all this is gone. So they are also selling property and leave because they are actually buying property, not just for the property's sake, but for the freedom and the rule of law. That's why the price of Hong Kong's real estate has jacked up so high. So I think, you know, a a lot of people are planning, you know, there are only two choices for people here, those who leave Mm -hmm. and those who stay and fight on like myself. But I'm sure there's a, a, a third kind of people who just keep a low profile and quiet and willing to accept to be subversive to the Chinese rule.
1: So do you think Beijing has just calculated that Hong Kong is not worth it as a financial center, that they're willing to kill that role that Hong Kong has played for so long?
2: I, I wonder, what everything justified the situation now? Because China is having an economic demise very seriously after the coronavirus. virus. You know, so many people out of jobs, so many businesses collapsed, and so much wealth was destroyed. And they are actually in a very critical economic situation. In this time, what they lead is actually a place like Hong Kong, which is international financial center and commercial hub to facilitate the economic recovery. So I I just don't know why at this time, they just want to kill it.
0: And when you think about them killing I everybody, mean, one thing that surprises me is Hong Kong has what you might call a very strong establishment that's been built up over, over many, many, you know, many, many years, including, say, vice chancellors of universities and so forth. And yet many of those people and businessmen as well are lining up to um, say they're on board with the national security legislation, even before they've seen what's in it. I mean, are you surprised there hasn't been more
2: pushback from the establishment? Well, I am not surprised you know, China wants our education system to be a brainwash machine instead of education for the young people. So I, I I just think that maybe, you know, all those pro-China, they sense that, you know, Xi Jinping is actually very strongly manhandling Hong Kong. And they they, they sense that if they have, you know, they oppose it, they will lose all the Western interests. They will be sidelined. Although, you know, secretly, they would do what is to their self-interest, like selling the property and move the money overseas. You know, it's it's, it's a perfecting. The situation is perfecting. (laughs) It's just like Chris Patton once said, you know, in the end, Hong Kong will be lost not in the hand of the Chinese regime or CCP. It's rather more by the people here.
0: And is that what he meant by when he said that?
2: Yes, yes, when he left. Yeah, he said that. Mm-hmm.
0: But was, was that his meaning?
2: That that's meaning that, you know, a, a lot of people kiss up the Chinese, regardless, you know, whether they're selling Hong Kong off for their own self-interest.
1: I'm interested in your take on the role played by the Hong Kong government itself, because there seems to have been no attempt to defend Hong Kong's rights and freedoms in any way. Um, in fact, the government itself has almost disappeared from view. Right. How, how do you explain that?
2: Well, I think that the Hong Kong government definitely have lost their, their power to run Hong Kong. You know, the relation the, the office, the Chinese, they all came out and dictate Hong Kong's affair. And that's why recently they claim that the Article 22 doesn't cover the liaison office, and also the the Macau and Hong Kong affair, the two bureaus, they can say anything they like, and saying that these two bureaus is not under the the, the government, is not the, the subsidiary of the government. You know, they can say what they like, and they 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 are now taking over the man, the management and the ruling of Hong Kong.
0: I mean, to to go back to early in the year when when China appointed rather suddenly a new person as the head of the liaison office, uh, a a rather old cadre with experience in Qinghai and Shanxi province. I mean, were you surprised by that appointment and a a little bit concerned, shall we say?
2: Oh, yeah, I was surprised by the appointment, but also I understand because uh, for the Chinese, they don't want to resolve the problem for which the resistance movement was the reason. They rather suppress without trying to solve the fundamental problem that create the resistant movement. All they know is suppression, suppression, suppression. They don't care what we we Hong Kong people want. They don't want to listen. They just want to frighten us. But the whole purpose is just to intimidate the moderate Hong Kong people who come out to demonstrate to protest which are more than 2 million, which is the people's power by threatening the majority of Hong Kong people, the moderate Hong Kong people, they want to isolate the radical youngsters and easily handle them.
1: I'm interested in what we've seen over the last two weeks, which is almost, you know, it's these communist style campaigns where people inside Hong Kong, prominent figures, are coming out to Biao Tai to like express their loyalty. So we've seen CPPCC delegates, government officials with banners and big signs. We've seen religious figures and entertainment stars. How do you read this? I mean, is it simply a propaganda campaign or is it something uh, much more symbolic? Well, I think is more than just
2: just a, a propaganda campaign, Xi Jinping wants every one of those tycoons, pro-China parties, whatever, not just to stay silent in support of them. You have to pledge allegiance. You have to come out and say that, you know, advocate what, what they are pushing. You can't just stay quiet you don't have the freedom of being silent anymore.
1: Do you know what that really reminds me of? It reminds me of Deng Xiaoping's actions before June the 4th in 1989, when he got every single general to come out and pledge allegiance so that each of them would be judged as responsible. Do you think that's the, sa- the same tactic?
2: Well, I, I think that's some of the tactics. You know, you have to, well, you have to dirt your hands. You can't just stay us on, on the side. You have to be part of the, part of the CCP's endeavor, whatever effort to come down on Hong Kong. This is why this year's June 4th is very important because the PLA also came out to say that they are in support of the national security law. That means that if any violation of the national security law, they will come out and suppress Hong Kong people. So that means also, what happened 31 years ago in Tiananmen Square can happen here anytime now. And that's why it's important for us to come out, each with their own way, without violating, you know, the the, the gathering rule now is in place uh, uh, because of coronavirus, to express our concern and to to memorise what happened 31 years ago, because what, what happened 31 years ago can happen again here.
0: And can I ask about the, the future of your newspaper, Apple Daily, um, which has been so strongly in favour of the protest movement? I mean, your newspaper is in a very strange position in that it's the most read in Hong Kong. Um, and if you count eyeballs in Taiwan and elsewhere, it's probably one of the most um, visited news sites in the whole world. Um, but advertisers have been pressured by Beijing um, and through people like C.Y. Liung, the former chief executive, to withdraw their advertising from your uh, newspaper. I mean, do you think you can continue to publish in Hong Kong or are you going to have to move to Taiwan,
2: do you think? If we move to Taiwan, it won't be a Hong Kong newspaper. Mm. Definitely, after the national security law, the operation as a free press is going to be not just difficult, but dangerous. But we have no choice. But to fight on, but to you know to go on with it, we don't think about what the consequences with it, we just have to carry on what we are doing. If we let the fear frighten us, we won't be able to do anything
1: is I mean I've noticed that you've just started publishing in English. Is that a, a new part of this strategy?
2: Well, because we are losing a lot of money that if we we have overseas subscribers financially, it can help us a bit. Mm. But the most important thing is we, we can have overseas subscribers, especially American subscribers, in a substantial amount, that could be a good political po- protection for us. This is what the strategy is. That's why we launched it a few days ago, Although it's just an initial stage that I don't think the quality and all we do is up to the standard yet. But in the next couple of months, there will be a great, you know, much greater improvement because we are, we are still recruiting people to, do the, to to do a better job.
1: Because, the, I mean, the fate of the newspaper industry in Hong Kong has been quite extreme. You know, once there was something like more than 70 daily newspapers spanning the whole spectrum of opinion. And now almost everybody has fallen into line. Apple Daily is the only standout which is not kind of pro-government and pro-China. How does it feel to kind of be in that position?
2: Well, you feel your responsibility to, to slug it through, to go on. Then we have no choice
1: but i mean what happens if they start you know as you say anything that you write could be a crime if they start laying charges against reporters and editors and how how to go on
2: well we don't know we have to deal it day by day <laughs> <laughs> and and that's why recently i've taken on the executive chairman instead of non-executive chairman because i want to take all the responsibility i can't I cannot, my I cannot let my people take the responsibility if anything happens.
0: But possibly extend your operations more to the U.S. and and if you like, um, so for example, your Twitter feed you've started to, um, which you opened quite recently, you uh, add in Donald Trump and so forth in your uh, in your tweets. And I've noticed the Global Times is you know not not shy of you know using this as evidence to say, aha, look, Apple Daily is in league with um, with Donald Trump. Um, I mean, isn't there also something of a, a, a risk to that strategy too?
2: Well, let's face it. Without the international, the West support, especially American government support, we have nothing. Mm. We can't fight on. Mm. Now, our saving grace is the overseas in governments and people, especially American people and governments, to extend the support to us.
0: But I, I noticed you wrote in the New York Times that you were hoping that the U.S. wouldn't end its special, um, the special status of Hong Kong. I mean, um, how uh, how do you think that's going to affect Hong Kong in the future?
2: Well, I think if they they revoke the human rights and democracy, democracy act, and all the you know the, the 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 special status of Hong Kong, Hong Kong is dead. Again, you know, because at least we have some residual value in the eye of the world or also hopefully in the eye of the CCP, that they won't do anything to the extreme for the sake of keeping Hong Kong as a facilitator to their recovery of the economic crisis.
0: And I mean, this is sort of how it's sold in a way, is that despite the fact that the Hong Kong Stock Exchange dropped, I think, a thousand points as when they announced the legislation, uh, it's being sold internally as this is a way to give certainty to the business community. I mean, you know, do you think there's any way that strategy could possibly work?
2: Well, it's not going to work without the rule of law, whatever they say. There won't be a financial centre. It also... CCP can tear up the basic law in front of the world. It shows how it shows that there's this respect of law. If they, you know, if people don't trust the CCP, can you know, it can abide by the law? How can people do business here?
1: And we've recently seen um, an announcement by Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, that they're offering a potential path to residency in the UK for up to three million Hong Kongers. I mean. Do you think this is something that is helpful or is it something that's just going to hasten the end of Hong Kong that anybody who will can go?
2: Well, I, I think it's, it's a help. Because as I said, a lot, of po- a lot of people want to leave, especially I think this exercise, I hope can favour this young people. Because the BNO holders are mostly older people because a lot of the young people who were born after the British left are the young people who are fighting most courageously. If they know that, worse comes the worst, they can leave Hong Kong and live in UK. That will be a great boost to their confidence and courage. I think it's very important that the UK give us the right of a vote to the young people.
1: And do you feel that the Hong Kong has been basically, until now, pretty much abandoned by the UK?
2: I would say so. I hope that now they waken up and do something for us.
1: What else would you like to see them doing?
2: I think, well, they can't do much, to be honest. You know, whatever they do, America has to take the, re- the, the leadership. I hope that President Trump can Do what he promised—that there will be serious consequences if CCP imposes the national security law, which I think he will do because I believe that you know it's very good for his campaign. If he have a series of sanctions and punishment except against the Chinese in stages, and using this as a strategy for the campaign, that will be very effective. In in, in vindicating the resentment people have of the destruction of life, job, and wealth during the coronavirus, the American people are very upset about the Chinese and they want the government to do something to vindicate this. You know, I think if President Trump can actually have a series of sanctions and punishments in stages to accept against the Chinese. Government, that would be a very good strategy.
1: Though the timing is—I mean, now President Trump is a, has his own domestic difficulties. Facing a very
2: <laughs> difficult, you know, yeah, situation, especially the riot. Now, I hope the riot will will come down in a couple of days. Um,
1: I I wanted to ask you about this. There's a you know, there's always been a lot of talk in the movement of this idea of Namtao, like burn it all down, crash and. Do- crash and burn, you know, if we burn, you burn with us. And this thought that maybe Hong Kong needs to be destroyed and just something might be reborn from that. How do you view this, this philosophy?
2: Well, eventually, maybe, maybe we'll have to do that. But now, we still have a chance to salvage the, the situation. If America can come down hard on CCP... You know, we might have a chance because considering how serious the situation, the economic situation in China is, if they back if they back down just because the American is, you know, is is dealing hardball and very hard with them, I think they may back down and we may have more time while we even maybe save.
0: I mean, I hope you're right because you know, one thing that always concerns me with uh, a leader like Xi Jinping is that he his main concern seems to be with the party itself. So he's not so much worried about his image in China or certainly not in Hong Kong, um, but he is worried about appearing tough uh to the cadres. So in some ways, uh, you know, I, I he just can can't appear to back down if if you know what I mean.
2: His strong man appearance could be the weakness inside. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have operands. In such a situation, a lot of, of, of his operands are getting ready you know, to fight back. He's not in a very secure situation. Mm. What he has done, the one bell, one row is in disaster. The, the Huawei 5G disaster. The relationship with the US is worse than ever. And Tang Xiaoping once said, whoever is friendly with the US will have prosperity. And that proved him right. In the last 30 years, or more than 30 years, their relationship with the US has been very benign. And the economy has been going, you know, has been proving and improving, and they have become the second largest economy in in the world. But now, Xi Jinping just crapped this down destroy orders. So come 2020, when he has to be reaffirmed of his present for life mandate, he has to do something. Maybe what he thinks that what he has to do something is to cram down on Hong Kong or even take over ta- Taiwan. His credential for the People's National Congress to reaffirm his uh, presidency in life.
0: A couple of days ago, one of my students, um, a lot of my students are from Hong Kong and uh, they're suffering because, you know, their, their parents are being tear gassed while they're stuck in Australia. Um, so it puts them in a terrible situation. Uh, and this student shared a phrase with me in Cantonese, which means the soil of Hong Kong will remain, but its spirit will leave and spread around the world. Um, do you think that possibly following this, um, we'll see many Hong Kongs developing in London and Vancouver and other
2: places? No, I don't think so. because Hong Kong. Is Hong Kong just because we share the same value with the West. So, when, if we disperse into the Western countries, we just become part of them. We won't be distinguished from them. We are so important for the West because we are the bridgehead of the Western values, of which we, we, be, we can become the beacon to spread the value to China, to influence the people and in turn to influence the government to share the global or the Western value when they, when they deal with the, the outside world. The world will not have confrontation or, or, or conflicts. And this can be great for the world peace. If a lot of people migrate to Taiwan, we can have a lot of new vitality for Taiwan with our entrepreneurship. I think this will be important for Taiwan, not, not for the West.
0: Can I say very quickly just a, a personal question? I mean, this is not your first fight. I mean, you, I think the first time you were firebombed was back in 1993, and, and it's happened to you several times since. I mean, just on a personal level, what, what keeps you going, like in the face of all this extraordinary violence and opposition?
2: Well, what keeps me going is I believe that I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing it for myself and for my kids. I never think about doing it for the society because what I do may not be. The right thing. You know, I'm certain what I'm doing is right for myself, but it doesn't mean that it will be right for the society or for other people. So, you know, I just keep on doing it just because I'm convinced that I'm doing the right thing. And when people respond to what I'm doing, I get a greater meaning in life that I would not have by make, just making money.
1: And finally, maybe a last question looking forward. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that you still think there's a chance of optimism. At, at, at what point is Hong Kong lost? When is the moment to give up?
2: But You have to, keep, you have to understand I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is always optimistic. And that's my nature. Well, I, I think we have to, you know, we have to hope for miracles. You know, this time we have to hope for miracles. If Without hope, we can't hold on. We have to have hope.
1: Oh, thank you so much for um, finding, finding the time to talk to us. I know how busy you are, um, but it's been really interesting talking to you, and thank you.
2: Well, please ask your followers to subscribe to us. It will give us <laughs> protection politically. <laughs> it's Apple Daily. We need help. You know, obviously we need help. Yes. Have, words, please. have Hong Kong thank okay. you
0: you've been listening to the Little Red Podcast bringing you China from beyond the Beijing Beltway many thanks to my co-host Louisa Lim and our guest Jimmy Lai and please if you can subscribe to Apple Daily our editor is Andy Hazel background research by Julia Bergen our theme music is by Susie Wilkins and our cartoons and gifs are courtesy of Seb Danta. bye for now